The readings taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. You're still sitting quite far back. I don't know how many of you read Tom's email. <laughs> you all right? Sunny, you should feel energetic. I can't feel much energy. Oh, that was, look at these guys in the front. They are really, see what happens if you sit in the front. <laughs> Just pumped with energy. Um, this week I was reminded, um, and I thought I'd tell you, uh, of, um, <laughs> of a time when I used to do park run. Does anyone know what park run is? It's a five kilometer run around parks all over the world, actually. Um, on a Saturday morning, and it's full of people. It's an amazing time of community. If ever you go, I just, it blows my mind. I wonder, what have they got that we don't have in church? They, they don't have the Jesus part, and yet all these people gather. Um, uh, but actually what I was reminded of was how competitive I was when I used to do it. 
Um, I wasn't very good. I don't like running. Um, but I like exercise and I like competition. And I would turn up in the morning and I'd suddenly think I was this professional athlete. And I'd stand in all my gear because I've always got all the gear. No idea. And I would stand at, in the crowd of people running and I think, I'm going to get to the front. I'm going to be, I just imagine in my mind, I'm going to be one of those people that gets over the finish line in about 20 minutes. That'll be me. I don't think I ever did it under 28. <laughs> so it's quite a way off that vision that I had of myself. I had all the will in the world to get to the beginning. But what used to happen, and it was quite demotivating at times, probably the most demotivating time I had, was when I was still completing my final lap and Matt, my now husband, he wasn't then, lapped me with his friends. I thought, is he lapping me? No, no, he was doing a warm-down lap. He had already finished. <laughs> and they joined me, like, oh, we thought we'd warm down with you. It's like, I'm going that slowly. <laughs> See, I had all the will in the world, but none of the power to get to the end in the way that I wanted to get to the end. I wonder if you've ever had moments in your life where you've had all the will in the world to do something, but you just couldn't do it. You just didn't have the power to do it. You just didn't have that final thing that needed to click into place to do it. It's a bit like the disciples were when they were sitting in the upper room. They were expectant that something would happen. It had been prophesied. You heard a little bit of that in our reading today. The Old Testament prophets knew that there would be a new move of the Spirit, and the disciples believed that this new move of the Spirit was going to come and transform everything. Turn upside down these oppressive systems. Change how the, how the whole of society was and radically renew what was going on. They're going to renew, rebuild and restore through the work of the Holy Spirit. But what they didn't expect was how the Spirit came. They expected that this thing outside of themselves would come. That would almost be nothing to do with them, but they would get to experience it. And what happened was the Spirit comes in them. The Spirit comes and rests on them. This is where the Holy Spirit shows up, in a place where they are emotional, I imagine, given everything that's gone on. They've watched their rabbi die a brutal death. They've met him again when he's risen from the dead. I mean, that alone is enough to give you some kind of uh, confusing thoughts, I'm sure. But then he said words to them and being taken up before their very eyes, hidden by a cloud, and they're left <laughs> in this moment, Pentecost, a time when actually loads of people gathered. And so it was what was going on. They were gathering for the Pentecost celebration 50 days after the Passover. They would gather. They would celebrate the giving of the Torah and the giving of the new covenant. And they were gathered together, supposedly for this celebration, but can you imagine the emotion in that room? They'd also just had to select another disciple to replace Judas. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a fun meeting. And so that's where we find ourselves meeting the disciples here in this place with all that emotion. And the message that Jesus had left them with 
you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to the ends of the earth. You'll be my witnesses where you are, where you don't want to go, and where you cannot even imagine. And then in this backdrop, with this moment that they've got to, a violent wind starts to blow inside the building. (laughs) I don't know if you've experienced a violent wind before. When Matt and I were recently in New Zealand, we were staying in my sister's garden um, in what was essentially a porter cabin. It was an office that they transformed to a room for us. And then they had all those storms and floods and we were in a porter cabin and there was an earthquake. <laughs> and I wake up in the night and I said, Matt, someone is pushing the cabin. Someone is outside. <laughs> I, like, I, I think that's just the wind. So <laughs> turned out it was the earthquake shaking the cabin. But the violent winds that were whipping around it, I, I just couldn't sleep. It was so loud. Bless Lydia. She slept through the whole thing. I, kids are amazing. She doesn't sleep when I want her to. <laughs> she sleeps <laughs> in the midst of a storm. So this violent wind comes and they must have been looking around and as they look around, what do they see? Flames resting on each other's heads. Just want us to engage in that moment. Imagine you are there in that moment for just a minute. What must it have been like to see this visible sign of the Spirit? And they would have known it was a visible sign of the Spirit because that's how God's presence shows up throughout Scripture. God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. Moses, who had learned what it was from Pharaoh to have power, demanding oppressive power, self-seeking power, learns at the burning bush where the flames do not destroy what God's power is like. And God appears in the pillar of fire to guide the Israelites out of Egypt. And the flames of Pentecost resting on the heads of the disciples. Marking out a temple space. A place where heaven meets earth. And where the place of God's presence is manifest. Jesus' followers are now filled with the Spirit, and they probably know that. God's power within them and through them, resting on them. Now, a question we had in our staff meeting this week was, what if we all had a visible sign of the Spirit in that kind of way? What if we all walked around with a little flame on our head? And everybody that was filled with the Spirit, you would know instantly. How would that make you feel? Empowered? Encouraged? Like you belonged? Like you weren't alone? Or would it freak you out? Maybe. (laughs) The disciples experienced the presence of God. They were filled with the power of God and they found their purpose in God. They see, they hear And they feel the Holy Spirit in that moment. Now, we all see, hear, and feel things differently. Um, It's been Matt's 40th birthday this week, and we went away 
to Italy because his favourite meal is spaghetti bolognese. And that was his decision of what he wanted to do. Um, we don't always go travelling. We just seem to have done it a lot this year. Um, and so I was thinking about this, that we both felt, saw and experienced it so differently, partly because he's quite a lot taller than me. And so I saw a lot of different things. And he was like looking <laughs> over the people. I was more looking through the people to try and see things. Uh, but we taste the food differently. We experience the culture differently. We experience the language differently. Things that hold my attention don't hold his attention. He spent a lot of time taking pictures of clocks. Um, which I did not. <laughs> you will not experience this Holy Spirit in the same way that I do. You are not me and I am not you. God has made you uniquely and he's made you different to anybody else. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your gifts of the Spirit will be a wonderful mashup of who you are. And the Spirit at work in you, using those gifts, will look different to others. So don't look to someone else's gifts and long for them. Ask God for your gifts. Ask God to send his Spirit on you. I don't know if you saw that uh, little line in there, repent. I think Simon used it earlier. Repent and ask the Holy Spirit to come. Ask God to give you the Holy Spirit. Turn away from the life you are living and move with the Spirit. I think I told you before how nervous and sick I used to get public speaking. But when I was filled with the Spirit, it just completely changed. Sometimes the gifts you have will be obvious. You'll already have some display of those gifts. You might be a very compassionate person and you use that when you're filled with the Spirit. You just know that that's how you're going to be. You might be really gifted uh, at leading people already, but then when the Spirit is, fills you, you will lead people with a different lens, with a different view of the world and perhaps to greater glory for God. Now, having been filled with the Spirit, I know that when I am speaking, when I am communicating, not just preaching, when I'm communicating in the Spirit, I know that that's exactly who God has made me to be. There is something about the lining up of the Spirit at work in me and those moments of me using those gifts. I know it is God at work. So what does it look like to be filled with the Spirit of God and to use the gifts you've been given or the gifts that you are then empowered with? The disciples experienced the presence of God. The disciples had those flames on their head. On their head. There is something about a person who is filled with the Spirit that you can tell the difference. When we are clothed in the Spirit, when we acknowledge and allow the work of the Spirit in us, when we recognize that nudge to do a certain thing or to act a certain way. Sometimes, and often, in unlikely circumstances, the ones we could never have imagined. When we're unafraid to speak up and the words don't seem like ours. God's presence may not be a flame on your head, but it would be in your actions. And it is certainly present when we respond to the Holy Spirit. 
you will know the presence of God in you and in others. The disciples experienced the power of God. Um, As I said, it was Matt's birthday this week, uh, and Lydia wanted to buy him a gift, but obviously she doesn't have any money. Um, So she came to me, and we went shopping. Had a little discussion about what she might get him. She's only three, uh, but she did quite well, actually. His favorite color is purple, so she bought him some purple shorts. Um, Yeah, I thought that was quite good. Um, But she came to me and said, I need the card. (laughs) Because she's she's from 2023, so um, I need the card, mummy. So I gave her the card and she paid for it. (laughs) Which technically is Matt's money, so. (laughs) We can't do anything aside from God. Like Lydia in that situation, she came to me for the resource that she needed to do the things she wanted to do, to gift it back to Matt. You have the will, God says, but I've got the power. Like a little child, we are to want to expect God's spirit to move in us, to live within us, and to respond to it. The first sign of God's power is the decentralization of it. I don't know if you noticed that. Everybody gets it. Does that sound like the kind of power we experience in a worldly way? I don't think so. We think of power given to individuals, used for negative, disruptive, destructive things. You have to use, to get power, you have to exploit others, oppress others and gain our own way. But when you are filled with God's power, it's for everybody. The second sign is the decentralization of language. Not the most productive way to spread the gospel, really. In an empire that enforced one language spoken by everyone, wouldn't it make more sense just to use that language that everybody spoke? But in a worldly empire, it is oppressive. It is destructive. It demands conformity. It discourages individuality. And it disparages people. But in God's kingdom, with God's power, everybody gets to be themselves. And everybody gets to experience understanding what God is doing when they are filled with his spirit. The power of God is given to the disciples and they speak and everybody understands them. All of them were filled with the spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together because each one heard their own language being spoken. Now, there is a lot of debate over whether people heard it in their own language or whether the disciples spoke it in, their own lang- in the language of those listening, but it doesn't really matter because they all understood. <laughs> There's no one can come to any one conclusion on that. But what we do know is that they would have spoken a lot of different dialects. Now, I don't know what you know about dialects, but it's often the heart language. It's the language where people most naturally can speak without even having to think. I don't speak many languages. When I lived in India, I tried to learn Hindi. It didn't work very well. I've never been very good at languages. 
but it took a lot of effort and energy and thought to speak it when I did. But to speak in my mother tongue of English and to speak when I sit with my sisters in our particular way of speaking, it takes no effort, no energy at all. And this is what the disciples were doing. They were speaking, or the people were hearing it in that mother tongue, in the tongue that meant something to them on a heart level. And it is important because that means it's for everyone on a heart level. It's for everyone to experience as who they are. And it's also the reversal of what God does at the Tower of Babel in the Old Testament. Where he confuses the people by giving them different languages. For not trusting him, he says, be confused. You won't understand one another and you won't be able to build up your own empires. But this moment, God rebuilds, restores and renews the hearts of his people. Because now God's power is for everyone. His spirit is for everyone willing to repent and believe in him. Like a little child that longs to give gift but has no power. We are before God asking him to fill us with his power to live out the things that we long to do for him, with him and in him. The disciples were then filled with their purpose and in this moment it's to spread the good news where they are, where they don't want to go and where they could never imagine. They were feeling lost, overwhelmed and confused, heartbroken perhaps, but the spirit comes and they know their purpose. And suddenly they are filled with a boldness and a confidence to go out and speak to the crowds of people. Four to five times the people that would normally be in Jerusalem. Strategic, don't you think? Those people have come to celebrate Pentecost. And they will go back and spread the message they will be given. And the disciples know this. They don't know that they'll be heard and understood. But they know they need to speak. They know they need to live out this purpose that God has put in their hearts. Because remember what Jesus last said to them. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses right here where you are, where you don't want to go, and where you could never imagine you will go. Sometimes we feel like there is a gift in us just waiting to be released. Perhaps we're confused by what on earth our purpose is, and it's been going on for a really long time. But someone spoke something over us months ago, years ago, and we have never forgotten that moment. There is always a moment that God will use that in your life. If you believe that to be from God, if you have felt that message strongly in your hearts, then God will use it for the right time, the right moment. You will recognize that moment, just as the disciples did, even in their emotional state. They knew they had to get up to go out and to speak. And if they go outside and share that news, more and more people will hear it. 
when you're wondering where your gift of the Spirit is or your gifts of the Spirit are. Look at who you've been created to be. What are the things you love? What makes you come alive? What are the things that you do and feel that there is a greater power at work in you? It's just something you just know that this is what you're called to do. Ask the Spirit to use those gifts, the ones you may not even know you have yet as well. And if you don't know what that is, ask. Repent and ask God to fill you with his Spirit. We use the word purpose sometimes in culture like it's just one thing and there's nothing else. Today, I'm here this morning and I know my purpose is to preach the word that I believe God has given for you. But I also know it's to go home with Lydia and be a good mother to my daughter, to love her, to enjoy her company and to teach her things. And I also know it's to go and be with my family and to be a good sister, a good daughter. I have many purposes in one day that I know are also from God. There is not always one purpose. For some, it's a very clear, obvious, one driven purpose from God. And you, you know those people. They're probably coming to your mind right now. But that is not everybody. And even that person where you think they've got one very obvious purpose has many other purposes that God is using them for in their lives. Imagine what difference we could make as a community if the world we are in we were filled with God's presence and took it out there. God's power, God's presence and God's purposes for our lives. Imagine what difference we would make if we really, truly received from God and then lived it out. Responded to those little nudges every single day. I heard a great story. Adrian, I hope you don't mind me sharing. I forgot to check. It's about foil, so I imagine you'll be okay with it. <laughs> um, that alpha, alpha happened a couple of weeks ago, I think it was. And Daniel turned up with the food. Daniel Natnail had prepared the food with Tabira. And he got there and he realized they wouldn't be able to put it in the oven because they didn't have any foil or something like that. So he was like, oh, no, we're going to have to go back. We've got to go back to Deep Cut. That's quite far away. Uh, no shops are open. Da, 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 da. And then Adrian walks in at the moment. He's thinking and saying, God, what do we do with a roll of foil? <laughs> or had it in the car. And Daniel said, what? Just wondering, why do you have some foil in the car? He said, well... I left the house and then I felt God say you need some foil so I went back and got it. <laughs> Practical. Thank you God. Brilliant. Love that. But also responding to God's spirit at work in him. Would it have made a difference if the foil was not needed? And Adrian just had to leave it in the car. Probably not. But it was needed and God used Adrian to make that happen and make that situation much better so that people could then hear the gospel through Alpha and enjoy their food together and community. I love that story. We are called to be who God has made us to be, not to be somebody else and to respond to the nudges and to the spirit in us telling us what it is the spirit wants us to do. And you will hear that differently from how I hear that. I get visual images in my mind or, or just a really deep feeling that I need to go and see somebody or do something or say something. It sort of burns within me until I can say it. For others, they'll get a scripture. For others, they'll hear a voice. Not in a weird way, but they'll just know that that is the voice of God telling them what to do. And you need to learn it. You need to follow the little nudges so that one day, when there's something big to do, 
God knows that you trust him and that you will respond. We are called into a relationship that brings freedom, restoration, restores and rebuilds and transforms. And that relationship comes alive in the Holy Spirit when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Like the disciples, we are to be expectant. They expected that the Spirit would move. They didn't know how. We don't know how, always. And it will be in ways we can't ask or imagine. But God will move if we ask. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Meet with us this morning, we pray. Speak to us. Show us. Inspire us. Fill us. Renew us and restore us. Amen.